Hello, welcome to Love Food, Hate Money, the show where we're going to talk about how much we love food and prove it by spending all of our money on it. I'm going to be your host, Jonah, and this is co-host, Courtney. Hey! Today, we have some wonderful drinks. I have a legendary drink. You have a special drink. I have a wonderful drink. Your dr- you can talk about your drink. What did you call it? You made up a new name for it. Uh, the final the sentiment. The final say. The, la- the final say, yeah. It's um, like a last word, but different. It has lemon instead of lime. Super different. It's really delicious. Those of you that don't know, last word is lime, gin, green chartreuse, and then Luxardo maraschino liqueur. Not the actual cherry liqueur, but their actual... Luxardo. Yeah. Yeah. It... Equal parts of all of them, so you can make it at home, kids. It's delicious. It's one of my favorites. And then I have... You're drinking a monstrosity of about the same color, I would imagine. <sighs> you hear that beautiful sound? That was that was God waking up. <laughs> oh, no. Um, I... You can talk about this, actually, because when you mentioned the color, I need to figure out what this color is. Oh, my God. So... When we were driving back from uh, Las Vegas, we went to a wedding about two weekends ago. We stopped at a gas station to just get some drinks for the way home. And Jonah found something that he has not seen before. Um, If you listened to the show before, you know Jonah's just like trash, so. I'm a do head. He's a Mountain Dew boy. I will do the do. I don't think they have this in Arizona yet. And I read about it a couple months ago. It's the Mountain Dew Hard Seltzers, and I got the Baja Blast because I'm a Baja bitch. <laughs> Truer words have never been spoken. And now this turns into an ASMR podcast. It looks just like Baja Blast. That's incredible. Look at that neon god shade of teal. Oh, my God. Um, Is it neon gods? What are the smut books that you read? <laughs> Which one is that one? No. Um, and it's sugar-free, which is why I'm not drinking it. I have really bad reactions to sugar substitutes. She's being a baby yet again. She's like, another thing that I don't like on the list, avocado. It makes my tongue feel fuzzy. Don't like it. And then it messes up my gut. And then it's not a good time for me. Oh, that is not good. (laughs) Oh, no. Um, it would be good if they made it with real sugar. It tastes just so much like... Aspartame? No, they don't oh, use do aspartame. I think it's sucralose. It tastes like sucralose. Is Isn't it going to tell me? So Splenda. Brewed by Green Rebel Brewing Company. An actual brewery is making this? Cool. Oh, it's Boston Beer Co. Cool. Flavored beer. I... No caffeine. What's the point? What's the point? 100 calories per 12 fluid ounces, guys. Bring back a- four loco. As it was. They have for low. Oh, you mean as the actual like death <laughs> drink? Okay. One point eight foot ounces. These, yeah, they sell them in Tall Boys, which is crazy. Yeah, it does not say what artificial sweetener they're using. What it says? Malt beverage with natural flavor, artificial sweetener, certified color, and FDNC yellow number five. I don't know what FDNC means, but that's the shade of yellow. I'm guessing that's rough. Um. <clears throat> It's describe it, it for me. Well, it's Baja Blast, but it's it's like no sugar Baja Blast. You couldn't if you could tell it's malt beverage, like it does have pretty classic. I'm drinking underaged 
energy to it. <laughs> um, but Mike's hard lemonade energy. Yeah, not as heartburning though. It's just well. Let's set a timer for your heartburn. It's currently nine twenty-eight. Let the heartburn <laughs> timer begin. I'm gonna try and drink this entire tall boy during the course of this, um, just to, so we can get a real good glimpse of how toxic this is for humans good lord it still says do the do on it like it's a real mountain dew can Mm -mm. but yeah go to vegas everyone they have hard mountain dew tall boys they don't have that here yet i think yeah and that's really classy to get into today's episode which is going to be another installment of the rubber meets the tongue series where mr or daddy daddy babendum Tells us where to spend all of our hard-earned cash. Correct. So while we were in San Diego, because that's, we're just like those people that are like, well, that one time in San Diego. Um, The Letterkenny LA bit, but you haven't had Michelin-starred sushi until you had Michelin-starred sushi in San Diego. Yeah, yes. Sure. Um, We made a reservation at a one Michelin-star sushi restaurant called Sushi Tarakoro. You did it. Yeah, I said it right. I kept mixing up the syllables. Um, and sushi taki 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 taki. We went to lunch there, which I don't know what I was expecting. I knew they had a lunch omakase. Um, if you've listened to our other Rubber Meets the Tongue episode, you'll know that omakase is a chef's choice menu. Um, so we didn't really know what we would be getting. We just went all in. We said. Just give us everything you got. So that's what we did. We were like, 300 for lunch? No problem. A simple, a, a poor man's lunch. It's like a regular a old poor boy. Just a working man's lunch. Blue collar fish, baby. Um, it was really cool because we got to sit at the sushi counter. Yeah, And we got to talk to counter. the chef quite a bit. He was really friendly. He wanted to ask us where we were from and talk about driving back to Phoenix and... Because that night we were going to be pulling an all-nighter to drive back to Phoenix. And he was like, that sounds dangerous. Don't die. (laughs) Here's some sushi. We didn't die, so we did great. How do we did? And this is our hell, which is Uh, speaks volumes. So you want to start us off with what he started us off with? Sure. Um, The first course, there was quite a few, like, good memorable bits that we wouldn't need to reference. You have reference material, but Courtney took pictures of everything. Um, so that way we could remember it in better detail. First course was uh, a little a boat uh, with three different items on it. Appetizers. The appetizers. Uh, oyster. Can't remember origin. I think it was California. It was delicious. It had a ponzu in it and really thinly shaved green onion. And it looks like, and if I remember correctly, it's a touch of, touch of a hobiko. So like flying fish, egg row, mm-hmm. little, little, little baby babes. Good, solid. Love a good oyster. I don't think there was anything too much to write home about on that one. It had a pretty good texture to it. It was super fresh and, like, bright. Yeah. It wasn't super mucousy. It actually had a fair chew to it, but it wasn't rubbery chew. It was, like, a good, just good texture. Yeah. Tasted like salt water, as they are to do. I don't know. I'm not really an oyster person. Like a salt water wad of flour. Just like getting <laughs> sick in the ocean and you just chewing on your own cud. Uh, yeah. Um, the next bite farther to the right of that is probably one of the absolute highlights, in my opinion. Really? I think so. It was just shocking and how simple and good it was because again, it was like a soy sauce base. I think it might have been. I think the that was again. the special aged. 
Oh, that was sauce. their aged soy sauce at the base. And then... Silken tofu and wasabi. Silken tofu. Tiny little dot of wasabi. The silken tofu had such a pleasing texture. Mm-hmm. And the cleanest soy flavor that I've ever had where it just tasted so pure. Yeah. And then a little bit of the wasabi gave it a touch of the pepper. And then the aged soy obviously added salt to it, um, which it needed. Because, again, it was just, I, I can't remember what he said, the actual type of tofu it was. He described it in some detail, but mm-hmm. that's not, I just wanted to eat good food. So sometimes I kind of glaze over when people are telling <laughs> me things. Um, that was incredible. I think there's something to be said about using real wasabi. Um and just the difference that it makes, because I don't know if most people know that, like, when you go to most sushi restaurants outside of Japan, um, the stuff that they're using, that green paste, is horseradish that's been colored and sometimes has wasabi powder added to it. Yeah. Um, but it's actually not fresh wasabi. And fresh wasabi, I think, has such a, like, bright floral spice to it that you don't get from... It is less harsh but more flavorful yeah it's and it's still spicy because it's still a member of like the horseradish family yeah but it's got such a like refreshing spice to it that i think that really brought that dish together and it just played yeah played nicely with how simple the tofu was it was i i truly loved that and then after that it was uh oh god i remember it being it was a stuffed fish wasn't it it was raw it was, yeah. You remember we watched, uh, it was a, the video of the lady that makes all the bento boxes, and it's like yeah. the cod roe sacks. Yep. Tempura fried. Tempura fried, a little bit of a house sauce, soy based sauce again, little, little, little stick, little, little thick, little sticky. Not, not a little stick, little hickey. <laughs> That's a separate episode. And then a fried shishito, which was great because I didn't get the spicy one. <laughs> Mine had, I got like a half spicy one. Uh, delicious. But yeah, that was course one. Yeah, and then we got course two, which was a gorgeous sashimi plate. This is probably will be what I use for the the photo for this episode. You should just use the center little spiral or the mound of wasabi. Just like super zoom in <laughs> on it and just make it look upsetting. Uh, um, I cannot remember every fish that we had. I just know I remember the two tunas and there was the mackerel. The mackerel. There was the scallop with the cucumber. Yep. Um, the fatty tuna with the shiso leaf. Yeah. Freaking amazing. Fatty tuna. Yeah, that was, I mean, the fatty tuna belly. Delicious. Uh, we've talked about that before. I want to say one of them was Amberjack, but I really don't remember. I think so. Um, again, all, it was just done well. It was all good quality. The good aging process. A misnomer with. Sushi's not about fresh fish. Sushi is just the rice. And then when you're talking about a sashimi course, like fresh isn't actually technically what you're going for. You're looking for high quality prepared properly. Yeah. Sourced, sourced correctly, prepared properly um, and stored properly. Yes. Because in the case of most good quality sashimis um, and just like with beef products is what people are more familiar with. There is a certain amount of aging that goes into all of the good quality stuff Mm -hmm. that helps bolster the umami. um, And especially for fish because it's umami. Uh, that sea umami, as it were, is a little bit more subtle. Like having that come out correctly enhances it dramatically. Yep. Um, so no. you don't necessarily want like fresh fish off the like. Oh, I'm eating. I'm biting into a live fish, and that's the best quality. <laughs> like no, it's You're like that's that is a different 
level of quality, but there's uh, there's a lot of different techniques involved with actual really good sashimi, um, including even sometimes freezing the fish before you serve it just to make sure that it's all good. It gets to the right texture, temperature, ages correctly. Like there's a lot of you. There's a lot of nuance to it. And it's much more than just like, oh, it was fresh fish. Like, no, like there's, it was probably not that fresh. And that's probably why it's so good. And that's uh-huh. a, as a balancing act of like letting it age to the right mm-hmm. point. And I don't think that's talked about enough. No. And I think even a lot of people who maybe don't have as much experience eating a lot of sashimi, seeing the way that they kind of had the, the box of fish on the counter while we were there for our whole meal, like that would probably freak people out because I think people are very weird about how fish is held. fish. Um, ah. But some of it was just, it was wrapped really tight. It was stored at different temperatures to make sure that it was yeah, he had the best t- texture. Various coolers with different temps. So everything was kept proper for Which made each cut. bite of fish. It's not like you have both tunas and you're like, oh, this tastes the same both times. Like, no, you're getting the fattier piece that has this different texture. It melts in your mouth and then you have the more firm piece. And I think that's what makes it so special. It makes it so worth it. Yeah. It's a, it elevates the experience and it's, I think, the right experience. Yeah. Not to be confused with my passion for never-ending sushi spots because <laughs> there's also something to be said for, for just that. like really bad sushi rice and K-crab because Pollock mm. is dope. Yeah. And spicy mayonnaise and just load me up, daddy. I freaking kill for spicy tuna rolls. Like I can pound spicy tuna rolls like there's no tomorrow. And I think there's this place for that. This is not that. It's a different different experience <laughs> altogether. And I value them both. Exactly. I will say that one like cool thing that I remember off this plate specifically was that the scallop is from Hokkaido, which is the coldest region within it's the northern island of Japan mm-hmm. or the Japanese archipelago. So it's got and it's it, it is cold as hell there. That's where Sapporo is. And uh, so that beer drinking culture sort of translates um, drink beer, stay warm. It the scallop itself was super flavorful. Oh my God. It had so much extra fat to keep itself warm because <laughs> anything in colder water is going to naturally develop more fat. To Kate, stay. Does K stay warm? Okay. <laughs> he's like in his little shell in the ocean. He's got a little blanket. He's like oh. he's a little bit fatter than his friends, and they're just like, you really need to slim down. This is my winter body. <laughs> um, the next dish um, was Chilean sea bass. Gotta um, love Chilean sea bass. We have to dedicate this dish to Donnie because <laughs> um, we recently had a conversation where he's like there's no such thing as world's best Chilean sea bass and I was like well I don't know if that was from the was that him saying that he didn't like sea bass, Chilean sea bass I or thought it was wildly overrated we'll have to clarify that but it was something to do with a purveyor and he was like nah it's not that good chill out but this Chilean sea bass was world's that best. good <laughs> it was a really good little bass steak um, it was marinated um, it sounded like for a good chunk of time, like really deeply marinated and then just quickly like pan fried. Yeah. Quick sear. And then it was served with this gorgeous um, pickled ginger root. Pickled young ginger root, which, which I've not. Ginger shoot, I think, is probably a better way to describe it. Um, yeah. It is. It It was delicious. It was. You take a bite of the fish and it's flaky and it's juicy and it's savory and then you would take a bite of the ginger root and it was sweet and peppery and peppery right. Ugh, that was a great dish 
really loved that. It was gone too soon. <laughs> Rip. And then I'm fairly certain the next one. Um, so then we got more into actual sushi, actual sushi pieces. Um, so the sushi rice on the bottom, piece of fish draped over the top. Um, usually Nigiri hand roll specifically. Yes. We're... A lot of them were brushed with this aged soy that they made in house. Um, some had other um, accoutrement to it. Yeah. Some had wasabi already in it. Um, but basically he was like, you just eat it. You don't need to put soy on it. It's ready to eat. Put the little plate on the counter because a lot of the sushi counters have not been to these sushi restaurants have a, like a two tiered counter where there's like a top portion that they will serve things to you on. And then there's a lower portion where you've got like your glassware and things like that. So we had the little plate on that, that top serving portion and just pop the, it down, put the piece down. You pick the piece up and eat it real fast. Chopsticks, not not necessary. Like that would I think that's a lot of fun. Yeah. Hand food. Really delicious. Um, Which fish was this? Do you remember? I think the first one was uh, tuna. Was that a tuna? I think so. It was fiasible green, little, again, the thinly shaved green onion. Use chopsticks to garnish everything with the green onion, which is wild to watch. It's like kind of hard to do. So delicate. The next one was one that I was nervous about eating because I have (laughs) a checkered pash, pash, checkered past. Ash is the name of a sports <laughs> yeah, person here yeah. in Arizona. Checkered past with monkfish liver. Um, my first or my second stage I ever did at a fine dining restaurant. We were cleaning monkfish liver for a taco event. And if you're not familiar with cleaning monkfish liver, you have to pull all the parasites out. That is just that is typical across almost any monkfish liver you're going to come across. There's parasites in it. They have to be cleaned out so you can eat it. Um, that smell has haunted my dreams, um, 10 years later. And in addition to that, anytime I've ever had even just monkfish flesh, not even just the liver, it makes me gag. So when they served us a nigiri with monkfish liver on top, I was just like, all right, we're gonna (laughs) stay composed. We're gonna put this in my mouth and we're gonna grin and bear it. It was you ponied up again. This was, I think, what, the fifth time on that trip they they, <laughs> they You know, it's the... like I said last episode. I I like being challenged. I think that it makes me Unguard expensive food. I will eat you and <laughs> I think it expands my, my palate. I think it expands my mind to continue to try things that I don't like. And I was actually pleasantly surprised. I thought that it was a really good bite of food. It didn't have the stink that I associate with monkfish liver. Um, that one was on a whitefish. That might have been the amberjack. I don't remember. And it had, again, the little green onion. I think it had a touch of... It had salmon roe and tobiko on there, I think. Mm, it's got this... I don't think it had the salmon roe. I can't remember what that was underneath, but the salmon roe wasn't in... I, I think the only application was later on. Oh, later on. Okay. Good bite of food, though. I was pleasantly surprised. And then the next one was a fish head, tempura fried fish head. Was wasn't it collar? No, because it mine had an eyeball. Oh, <laughs> did mine have an eyeball? Yeah, you ate it. <laughs> I don't remember eating the eye. <laughs> I saw my eyeball and I was like, oh. It was. 
It was I delicious. Feel, I feel bad. I don't remember what fish again it was. We're bad at eating at sushi restaurants. It's hard to remember all the fish. It was a lot. And they don't have like a menu online either that we can reference. We should have wrote that down. That's on us. Yeah, we'll, we'll bring or it up Or if we're not being real time. foodies. I feel like there's a selective group of people that are like, ah, yes, the amberjack. And then follow that. It was the yellowtail. And then after that, we had the the skipjack and then the mackerel. I want to be able to enjoy the meal enough that it's not a book report. A test? Yeah, like I I take pictures of things. I think they're very beautiful. It helps me remember a little bit. But if I don't remember off the top of my head, it's just not worth it. This was not, it, it was the fried head, but it was not a tempura fry. It was pretty, it was more of a standard, almost like beer batter. Yeah. It was, say that. it had great flavor. Super a little good. lemon off to the side. Again, a shishito pepper. Because if you're in the United States and you're eating fried food at a Japanese restaurant, they're going to give you a blistered shishito pepper. I'm yeah. pretty sure that's a law. And also the the culture of the slice of lemon with the fried food. Why do we not do that everywhere? Everything fried, not just seafood, chicken. Do you, that would be really funny if like KFC just started giving out lemon slices. I would be so down for that. It would be delicious. Oh, it would be better. It would be like the um, meal we had at... <laughs> We'll talk about this at some point, but like a moss. Yeah, exactly. It's the acidity and the brightness with the fried food. It's always champagne's good with fried food. Champagne. Champagne. Real pain for my sham friends and champagne for my fried chicken. <laughs> my actual friends. <laughs> the next dish was another uh, case study in like highlighting quality ingredients. Yes. I rank this up with the... Tofu is like a surprising hero of the meal. As I far agree, as, actually. Because this is another thing that was uh, uh, <laughs> a challenge to it use was your another words. Courtney challenge. As he was making it, your eyes got real I wide. Like, there, oh, man, so, that's coming over. No. Here. Okay. God, why? I think it's because most of my experience with caviar, with fish eggs, has not maybe been the freshest. Um. Oregon quality in the case of a lot of these things, it doesn't matter how fresh it is, but there's a certain right. There's a there's a way to do it right and good. And this was that. So this dish was a bowl of rice, sushi rice, and then salmon roe and, and cut up nori and a little bit of nori. And it it and was a, a lot little, of salmon roe. I, I think it was the ponzu. I think is what he did over yes. it as well to dress it. And he had a cute little spoon. Um, it was served in a funny little flowered little tulipy guy. I. The brightness and brininess and freshness of the pop of each of the little salmon eggs was so delicious yeah. and refreshing that I was like, how have I not liked this before? It was, you could have just kept eating it and going and going. Oh, it's a whole bowl of that for lunch? Done. It was the best, like, uh, not boba, because it... Boba is more like the fruit jelly ones. The little the fruit jellies that burst, like the yeah. little bursting bubbles of just like salty, good salty umami, ponzu, salty acidity, good quality rice, masterclass. So good. Yeah. More nigiri. Yep. So the next three courses were nigiri. Um, one of them he took a torch to. I Anytime that happens at a sushi restaurant, especially in this style of sushi, it's my favorite thing. What did he say this fish was? Because we both thought it was octopus as he was preparing it, but it was an actual fish. Do you remember? <sighs> this was one of the special ones that they, I think it was brought in from Spain or Portugal. Yeah. But I don't remember what fish it was. It was wonderful. It was fantastic. And it had a little wasabi underneath the fish on top of the rice. 
super flavorful. It had that char on it. It also had the, uh, the dicky did the little rock salt, the funny little grater rock salt over it. You can see all the dandruff on the plate. Yes, delicious. And then the one after that was the marinated tuna. I remember that one because I will always remember this bite of food. <laughs> yeah, it was big eye tuna from Hawaii, marinated uh, with a little bit of a different wasabi preparation. It was uh, not quite as powdery. It was a little bit more of like that liquidy. Like a fresh grated. Fresh was. I don't know if no, fresh wasabi is the right way to describe it because you freshly grate wasabi, it will still form into those dry right, mounds. Right, but it's, if you let of, it sit, it kind of gelatinizes. Oh no, I'm, I'm so dumb. That's, it wasn't wasabi. It was Yuzukoshu. Oh, that's right. Because we talked to him about that a little bit. He yeah, was like, he, yeah, this is what that is. We were like, cool, it. we know what that is. So Japanese condiment, uh, Yuzu zest, salt, uh, a chili pepper. It varies in which one is used in the preparation. It's left to sit and ferment. Um, gets a little bit runny. The salt pulls out. It it It's so... Yuzukoshu is a great condiment. Uh, it was so good with the marinated big eye. It was oh. probably... the are agreed upon like best bite absolutely just because it what's impressive to me about this is it had been marinated for a few days and i think again like the special soy sauce some other ingredients but the marinade didn't overpower the fish so you still got the really great tuna flavor and then the yuzu kosho just kind of like <laughs> just peed a little bit don't worry about it <laughs> I wanted to drink the rest of this Mountain Dew while it, while to see if the heartburn set in, and then I realized that it would sound like peeing. So, <laughs> how's the heartburn? Is this in? No. Oh well, that's good. I think I'm stronger than this drink. That's amazing. <laughs> I really love Big Eye Tuna. <laughs> Excuse me. Loved it so much that I had to relieve myself. Um, and then the last piece of fish, again, unfortunately, it was a white fish. I don't remember what it was, but if I'm not mistaken, this is one that they had been curing in kombu, um, or seaweed. And so it had been wrapped and placed in a special cooler that was not quite as cold as most refrigerators. And yeah. Again, just really great flavor. It's not fishy. And I think that's maybe... One of the reasons why, if you haven't had this style of sushi, I would highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Is it's not like each fish has its own flavor. Yeah, there's not a generic taste fishy. It is like no, this tastes like this. Like especially having the back to back, I think it's having them in succession where mm-hmm. there's different. You have that that quick reference of like, oh, this does taste different than the last one, or oh, this does taste like it's fun to have that experience with anything. Yep, I think that given the opportunity to have flights or verticals of any type of food or drink is fun. compare and contrast like side by side. Having, I think that translates back to like wine specifically. Sure. You have like Cabernet Sauvignon from Arizona, California, France, and Australia all back to back to actually like see what the differences are. I think that's a, a fun experience for people to try. So if you ever have the opportunity to reference something in quick succession to truly see differences and not just like have faint memories of like i vaguely remember this yeah it does taste different i think like it's nice to have that quick oh no this is how this is different exactly and i think that's really how you build up like we talk a lot about both you studying wine you're kind of like flavor bank in your mind Mm -hmm. of just you know this is this type of fruit flavor and this is this type and this is how you can say this is a dried version this is a fresh version i think any opportunity that you have to try things side by side get a beer flight 
Go to coffee tastings. Get a beer flight of things that are similar to, like, obviously your lager and your stout are going to taste different. Right. But, like, yeah, if you have, if a place specialized, Harlan did this, where they had their Japanese rice lager, but then they had their, their rice lager that was aged in an oak fodder for a couple months. Mm-hmm. And, like, having those back-to-back is a fun experience because you're like, oh, this is what this aging process did to this to change it. Totally. And I think it makes... It makes the eating experience more fun, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. I really enjoy that aspect. And then the last thing was dessert. We got two desserts because diversity is the spice of life, which we made a mistake because we should have just got the pudding, but that's fine. <laughs> um, <laughs> ice yeah, cream first. It was, it was fun to try both. Um, Black sesame ice cream, made yeah. in house, simple. Really delicious. I don't have much to say about it other than, like, it had great texture. It was a great black sesame ice cream. Because San Diego has ice cream. Good ice cream. cream. That's what we know about it. And then the other one brought back memories. Yeah, memory food. Uh, So no one else would like this as much as... uh, Well, not no one, (laughs) but this is a... It's a, again, where um, pudding culture is something that is, in Japan, wild. Like, they love... It's so crazy what we picture as like a soft, like a flan almost. In fact, they called it a flan. He he called it. Yeah. The sushi chef called it flan. He was like, Oh, it's flan. And then we got it. I was like, Oh no, this is a Japanese pudding. <laughs> um, they sell it at every konbini or convenience store yes. in Japan. Um, All the train stations have specialty stalls that sell it. They, specialty stalls that sold it in glass jars with gold ribbons and Ugh. foil caps that were studded with gems. Mwah. Like, Japanese Beautiful. pudding. Um, there's a Sanrio character that's a little pudding. Pompompurin. Pompompurin. Um, he's, <laughs> he's a little, little dog. He's, he's a, a pudding little, dog. A pudding dog. <laughs> if you were wondering why the hell is there a pudding dog, it's because they're into their puddings, dog. <laughs> Ew, take that back. I said what I said. Bask. Bask. <laughs> um, but yeah, it was it was a flan. It was it was a Pudding, super delicious, very lightly set custard, like great. It reminded me of almost the tofu as far as like that really gentle, like silken. It was held together, but barely. Um, super smooth, melt in your mouth, essentially. Uh, really light caramel syrup over it. It was super light, but it was also taken to the point it's where it had a little. Too. It was rich and it had almost like that bitter edge as far as the, the flavor caramel profile. Syrup. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Great way to end the meal. And that was, I was not expecting 11 courses for lunch. Now it's a big, there's a big lunch. It was, and it was satisfying. Like you look at the little pieces and you're like, I'm going to be hungry after. No, no, this is not that. You were not going to be hungry after the, the, that lunch rush. (laughs) It was what? 90 minute meal. Yeah, it was fairly quick. And I thought the pacing was really great. The service was excellent. A cute little spot. Yep. Highly, highly only. recommend. I don't think it was reservation only, but it's a reservation highly recommended. Highly. I think it was only when we went. But Interesting. I give it five stars. Five Courtney stars? Five Courtney stars. I liked everything. She can give out a hundred stars, everyone. So. <laughs> Careful. Careful about that. I never that. give more than five, though. <laughs> She can give out 100, but it's never given. It's never happening. Jonah, two stars, tops, on a good day. I'm doing better than I remember. <laughs> I was still at one star. The Google reviews are coming in Ooh. positive, boys. 
gross. Um, um, yeah, that's that's where the rubber met the ton that day. Yeah, I think we have two more coming up. Probably. I think we have Amos, right? And Amos, Noma, a couple others. We've we we tried to listen to Daddy Babendum. That French tire company is good at their marketing commercial. We've only been steered wrong once. A handful of times. I don't know. Noma could oh, be Oh, I guess we could talk about the pizza place in Japan, too, technically. Yeah. I don't think it was a star, but... I think that was, was Bip Gourmand. In that case, we can talk about... We should have talked about anime more, because that was also... And mm, I almost called it Breakfast Bitch again. <laughs> uh, morning Glory. Morning Glory. The Bib Gourmand in like little... status is thrown out like candy in the United States. Yeah. I think that's getting too if loose. They, I if, think we have to. If you get Michelin Guide on a good day, you're going to get a Bib Gourmand given out to IHOP. <laughs> so like <laughs> good value. I ate a thousand pancakes for $5. <laughs> Hard to beat. You're like, okay, Michelin. It's also worth saying, too, that, like, we don't live and die by Michelin Guide. We don't think that the stars really hold that much weight other than in the sense of they do have certain standards for service and quality. Um, Yeah. But just because a restaurant has one, two, three stars, it doesn't mean it's good. It doesn't mean you're going to like it. And just because it's one star... Doesn't, doesn't mean, mean you're gonna like it as three much star as a three food. star or vice versa, and that it's it's all a crummy commercial, but yeah. it helps with researching places because they do have to do a lot of research to maintain that guide. It's a great starting point for finding restaurants in an area that you're not familiar with. Ideally, you go to one that you enjoy quite a bit, and then you ask them like, well, "Where do you go? Out where to do eat? you eat?" And that's the that's where you get spots that might not be in those guides, and that's a fun way to experience different places. Yeah. On that note, the tires just blew out. So we gotta go. We're skipping off the road. Insert skid sound. (laughs) Oh, Oh, God. Thank you for listening to Love Food, Hate Money. Uh, This podcast is edited by John Watkins of Feather Fiction Studios. He also does our original music. Um, If you'd like to hire him, hit us up. We will give you his contact information. Um, Or he'll hear this first, actually. So just just hit him up at Feather Fiction Studios. Yeah. No, we have to gatekeep John. He's ours. Can we gaslight him, too? Oh, we've been gaslighting him since day one. I knew that I was girl bossing him. (laughs) Um, Thank you so much for listening. Uh, We appreciate you. We'd love to get in contact with you. Email us, message us on Instagram, send a carrier pigeon. Um, And don't forget, this is a communist podcast, so you need to give us your money. Help the comrades. at this podcast. Uh, We're currently selling shirts. Um, We are in the works of a Patreon. We just got our original art back from Bad Artist Jessie on Instagram. Um, She's incredible. The art she did for us is just mind-blowing. We're hoping to get some prints made and some stickers. (laughs) It it will haunt you. It's perfect. Um, So stay tuned for that. And I think... Yeah, thanks, everyone. Everything. That is all she wrote. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I made a mess.